When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Gotta fly right, baby. Well, if you wanna get along with me. Things Blues and Southern Rock Podcast. A Southern Storm, a bold, liberating rock, shot through with blues, soul, and gospel. And now, your hosts for the show, Brian Jones and Jason Johannes. Welcome to another episode of the All Things Blues and Southern Rock Podcast on Pantheon Podcast, where you can go to check out your most uh, preferred genre, music genre, podcast, all there for you on Pantheon, also home of the Metallica podcast. And uh, Jason's here like he always is. What's up? I am. I, it's good to be here, man. Uh, Pantheonpodcast.com, if you want a list of all the all the podcasts that are on it, check out Pantheonpodcast.com. There, Brian, there's a new one I like called My Weekly Mixtape that's been... Um, added to the list so check them out it's a very cool podcast all right um also real fast guys please leave us a message give us a rate or a message please leave us a rating and a review helps us helps grow the podcast helps us get better guests so the ones that have done it thank you and the ones that haven't please participate what's going on with you man uh well for some reason it's well you know i don't usually do you know weather small talk except for when it's december 6th in north dakota and it's 50 degrees and no snow on the ground so well I... and it's 36 degrees in ohio <laughs> oh <laughs> i'll take my one moment of glory we usually are yes yes please send your me. i never thought i would say this please send your warm north dakota winter weather <laughs> to me <laughs> i think it's karma from the south it's all these people from the south that that you know that we're uh, talking to when i saw blackstone cherry here not too long ago they're like it's 80 degrees back in kentucky it's freezing here (laughs) i think it was colder that night well and kind of like our our guests today we're you know from a warm weather climate down south swampy hot humid not north dakota not north dakota not ohio right well we're kind of a virtually traveling podcast and we don't always like have a planned, you know, it's like somebody else is driving, they just throw us in their car and, you know, we're going wherever we're going. So we're in Louisiana and uh, we have in the past talked to Adam Hamilton, originally from Shreveport. Who else? Who else have we talked to? Eric Johansson, who's been Eric opening Johansson, for Samantha Finch. Yeah, he was out of, out of the New Orleans area, who's awesome. So we're, we got the trifecta on Louisiana with the guest today. And uh, so we uh, were sent, you know, uh, some uh, information on the Honey Island Swamp Band. Yeah, man, it's great. I love when we have good working relationships with these PR companies and whether they help us get guests and then recommend artists, Brian, that we may not have known uh, like the Honey Island Swamp Band and get to dig in a little bit about them and, and learn about the music and the history and and find another cool band to share with all our listening audience. 
Yeah, and uh, it was cool to hear about, you know, you know how that band came together and, you know, that area of the, of the country. You know, I, I think we probably, I can't even remember if we talked about Dr. John. If not, we probably should have. Um, but we definitely had a good time. Uh, we talked to Aaron Wilkinson from the band and uh talked about all sorts of cool stuff talked about guitars talked about music and uh talked about getting stuck in san francisco as you'll hear yeah. and and yeah. the um and the you know the birth of this band the way that you're going to hear it so uh let's let you know we'll uh leave this up to our conversation to uh fill you guys in on the rest so kick back relax and listen to our conversation with Aaron Wilkinson from the Honey Island Swamp Band. guest segment of the podcast you guys know i always throw it over to jason to introduce the guest in which we've already told you about (laughs) so take it away jason it is always my pleasure to introduce our guest uh this week we've got uh the the vocalist multi-instrumentalist from a really cool band made up of a wide mix of different artists that are putting a really cool i'll call it an almond brother style record out with louisiana vibes to it so Coming with us from the Honey Island Swamp Band, we have Aaron Wilkinson. How you doing, Aaron? I'm great. How you guys doing? We're good. How's everything in good. New Orleans? Uh, as we speak, it's pretty cold and rainy and miserable, but that's uh, mm. that's not normal for here. Usually, it's pretty hot and nice and sunny. And we've you know we had a hot summer, but um, it's been beautiful uh, lately. And so, life is good, man. Life's good, good down here. Awesome. Brian, I will say that our little detour with Aaron and Aaron's dealing with the life of a rock star, just crazy <laughs> life, crazy, yeah, you know, far beyond what anybody come in. But it gave me enough time to probably do one of my most professional intros, Brian, I've ever done. <laughs> you need to think about that one. Yeah, yeah. Aaron, thank you so much. So it's glad to have you on here, man. Glad to have you on here. And uh, we're, you know, we're interested to hear all about this thing, right, Brian? We are. We've been listening to listen to your stuff, and we just, you know, like I said, first time guest here. Uh, so, you know, we'd love to hear all about how the Honey Island Swamp Band, you know, came together. How'd you get started in this music? Well, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a pretty interesting story, and I'll, I'll give you the somewhat abbreviated version. But, um, at the time, and back in two thousand five, August two thousand five, when Hurricane Katrina hit. Uh, New Orleans, myself and the original guitar player from the band were playing in another band together. I was actually playing the bass in that band. Uh, So this is many moons ago. And we were on the road with this band out in uh, California. And um, the Honey Island Swamp Band did not exist yet. Uh, He and I were just in this other band together. And uh, we, we sort of watched the whole thing go down on the TV, you know, and we were like, you know, holy shit, you know, obviously like everyone was, but, you know, pretty soon it dawned on us. There was no coming back, at least not right away. Cause there was nothing to come back to. So here we are in California. We got like a suitcase and a couple guitars, you know? And, um, so we, we, we end up in this bar in San Francisco called, uh, John Lee Hooker's boom, boom room, which is on Fillmore right across from the Fillmore, the larger venue. And, um, that's kind of like a home away from home for New Orleans musicians. Uh, it has been for as long as I've been doing it for years. That's where all the New Orleans bands go to play. It's kind of uh, the owner, Alex Andreas, kind of has made it a home away from home for New Orleans musicians. And he's a great guy and great supporter of New Orleans music. So we were just there literally like drowning our sorrows. This is my buddy, Chris and I, who was 
who I was in this other band with, and in walks Sam Price, bass player from New Orleans, and Garland Paul, drummer from New Orleans, who we knew, but, you know, Katrina knocked out all the cell phone towers, so there was no way to, like, call each other and coordinate, like, meetups or anything like that. It was just a random thing that happened. We're like, holy shit, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? What's your story? How's everybody? What's going on? And, uh, you know, we're like at the bar or whatever. And shit, man, we should, you know, we should start a band. And uh, the uh, club owner was like, well, you can play here every Sunday. And so we celebrated and hooray and probably had, you know, <laughs> a few too many drinks. And uh, the next day he calls me. It's like, what's the name of the band? I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? So, you know, last night you said, you you know, we start a band and you're going to play every Sunday and I need a name for the, for the newspaper. And I'm like, shit. So I called uh, Chris up and I was like, we got to have a name. And he said, uh, you know, let me call you back. All right, honey, I'm in the swamp. And I was like, no, nah, that sucks. That's way too long. It's 10 years, but I couldn't think of anything better. So I was like, all right, honey, I'm in the swamp. Band. And, uh, you know, they listed it marketed it we played there every sunday for a year until it came time to move back to new orleans and um at the time i was a bass player but sam was also a bass player so uh i also had this little mandolin that i carried with me on the road just for like playing with in the hotel rooms as i was just learning the instrument so i was like well shit man I i'll play the mandolin i know how to play a little guitar too and that way you can play bass and that's how we started and we did that for a year until it came time to move back to New Orleans. Um, but within that year, we had played every Sunday at the Boom Boom Room, built a little following, wrote some songs. We recorded our first EP out there in the record plant, a famous studio in Sausalito where they did Fleetwood Mac's Rumors and a bunch of other shit. So, I mean, it was just a real crazy, like, silver lining that came together. And uh, we kept going ever since. So you guys, as a matter of fate, were all stuck, could not move back. You were all relocated to San Francisco, and then this band forms. That's exactly right. Yeah, we kind of got marooned out there, and we just kind of made the most of it. Um, so you didn't, you know, when that name was was uh, suggested to you, and then you did end up going with it, did you ever, was there any sort of, like, <clears throat> connection to Katrina with that? Does it mean anything, or is it just, like, because it sounds like a cool band name. So is that just it sounds yeah, cool or it's, it's uh there was and it, and it well it, it wasn't really a connection to Katrina, but the Honey Island Swamp is a real place. It sits uh just uh northeast of New Orleans, uh above Lake Pontchartrain mm -hmm. on the border of uh Louisiana and Mississippi. So it's kind of a convenient um thing in that, you know, our we feel like our sound kind of has kind of one foot in the blues and one foot in whatever the New Orleans mix is, you know, the New Orleans gumbo. So, you know, we picked the name of this swamp that kind of straddles both states. Uh, so, yeah, it, 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 it was appropriate. It's very interesting that bar that mentions John Lee Hooker's Boom Boom Room. That So how did, do you know how that became the place for New Orleans musicians? Like, to, like that, that's so interesting that there's, you know, a connection between those two cities just happened to be there like it yeah i mean i think a lot of it had to do with with uh alex andreas my good friend and the owner and he was good friends with john lee hooker okay um, you know famous san francisco you know blues guy and um or was living in san francisco and he would kind of take care of john and, and bring him down there and you know sort of dedicated the place to him and uh there's a special like you know leather deluxe like um what do you call it like half circle like seat with the table right in the front and you know the the prime spot that was his spot to sit in and that's still there mm -hmm. and uh, alex kind of you know kept has kept it going all these years and alex is just a big supporter and fan of new orleans music he used to come down here every jazz fest and put on shows and you know so he would make those connections and say hey when you come to san francisco come play my place come play my place and then as a younger musician coming up I'm not a younger musician anymore, but I was then. And it was like, you know, where do you, where do we go? You know, you ask the older guys, where do you go play? And everybody said, well, you go to the boom room. You, you know, this is Alex. You go talk to Alex and you play at the boom boom room. Now to get Alex, you got to call at the right time and stay up later than you want to and hang out. And, you know, <laughs> one of these guys that you, you got to know how to, 
you know, play the game to to get in the door. But um, but he's just kind of as long as I can remember, that was the place to go for New Orleans musicians in San Francisco. So it's not specifically just a blues joint. It's no, 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 no. Um, I mean, they have all kind of music, but especially these days, it almost tends more towards funk and you know, um, you know, roots rock like we do. And but they, but there's still jazz, and they, he he does. They don't discriminate at all. They do, they do all kind of music out there. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good. Well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Oh, that's interesting too, because that kind of sounds like your band. One thing is great for us when we hear a band and you can't be put into any one category. It's just this nice mix of, you know, I, like I said, I try not to categorize things, but like hearing so many different, different things. Is that just natural for you guys? Or is that something that you kind of like set out to do? Well, I, I think, I think it's what, what we set out not to do was to try to pigeonhole ourselves into any one any one category we just sort of like let the influences come and go if you listen to some of our earlier records like we were going through a period where we were really into country music you know and we thought we wanted to be a country band that's what we thought we were kind of starting you know um but you know we also have these new orleans influences where you got these horn parts coming in yeah and uh great keyboard players and things and then as we started doing more and more shows you know people want to want you to rock out more and then you you start funking up funking it up a little bit and so we just um we don't ever listen to a song and say okay well that's a good song but that's a reggae song we can't do that no we just if it's a good song it's a good song and 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 we go with it you know yeah and you know you're, you're so you're on here promoting your new record and kind of you know we're getting to kind of how you got there custom deluxe it came out on friday october 27th you know, when I introed you, I said, hey, it's Allman Brothers with like the Louisiana or, or kind of Creole style music um, sound to it. When I listen to this new record, like all the stuff you're talking about is on there. You know, there's songs that um, focus on horns. There's a lot of good keys or piano on there. There's good guitar on there. It, to me, has that Allman Brothers feel where it's a little, little bit of a mix of all these genres, but with your own kind of little... Um, geographic flair. I mean, is that kind of, is that what you guys were going for? It was just a, a natural kind of evolution of where you're at with your sixth record. I think maybe a little of both. Um, but I, you know, I, I think the foundations are, are, are in place, you know, our, our uh, keyboardist uh, Chris Bees and our guitarist Lee Yankee are both um, Alabama guys. They're from, from the Mobile Bay area. And so we've all got this sort of southern gulf coast sort of yeah. um between new orleans and mobile sort of vibe going um and uh you know i i think it starts with the songs but but those those his piano style his keyboard style his organ style lee's style on the on the slide and the guitar of course the allman brothers are a big influence on all of us as mm -hmm. was little feet as was the band 
Absolutely. The band is a great comparison. Yeah. Right. Because a lot of multi-instruments. Yeah. A lot of multi-instruments and a lot of uh, real focus on the song and like letting, letting the song dictate where the sound is going to go. You know, I don't play the same instrument on every song. Maybe one song I want to play the mandolin on because that's what that song needs on another one. Maybe I'm playing the acoustic because that's what it needs. Or maybe I'm playing the electric and we're doing the double electric Almond Brothers thing on another one. Maybe I don't play any of those and I just play the harmonica, you know, just you really try to just do what the song needs. So um, who, like when you go out and play with other bands, like what, what, what kind of a build does that look like? You know, you're playing with different, different genres of bands and styles. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it can look like all kinds of stuff, man. Like we used to do this thing with, I don't know if y'all have ever heard of the Soul Rebels brass band from New Orleans. They're a real killer, like progressive brass band that does a lot of hip hop and stuff. And, you know, they they play with some really big artists. Um, but we'll go out with with them. And we did a, used to do a mashup thing we called Swamp and Soul. So it's like these two different things that don't seem like they'd go together. We have this kind of country leaning roots rock band like us. And you got this big brass band from the streets. But uh, everybody's cool and, and it works out, you know, it, it, we, we mix it up. Um, that's kind of a New Orleans thing, I think, that, that nobody's afraid to uh, mash up, you know, genres or, or you know, lineups, styles. Yeah. So on this lap, we just did this big easy cruise and um, I had one of my good friends and heroes, Kurt Joseph, who's the sousaphonist, or the uh, their founder of the Dirty Dozen Brass Band came yep. and sat in with us on a on a few songs on our set there. He also has played on a few of our earlier records, and he's just always been a great friend and mentor. Totally different type of music, you know, but um, but a, a great teacher and a, and a great uh, influence on us. So it's all it's you know things like that. It's an honor to have guys like that play with you, and and they and. They dig it, man. Everybody digs uh, mixing it up around here. Yeah. Going back to your origin stories a little bit in San Francisco, I was, I'm real curious because when you said that, hey, you guys were stuck there, you're playing every week. Very similar to what the Beatles did, right? The Beatles went to Germany and stuff and they played stuff. So, and traditionally, you know, they're not tradition. You guys aren't traditional. Bands will tour around, right, to get their footing and get their sound. How how did sticking somewhere for a year and playing the same place kind of over and over help you? Or how was that a different experience versus, you know, traveling the country? Right. Well, I think for one thing, it made us um, really work on expanding our song list and our variety because, you know, a lot of it was the same people that would come every week, you know, the sort of die hard, hard early supporters. And so, um, we would, you know, work hard at not giving those people the same show every week because that's a drag for everybody. Right. Um, when you're touring around, it's a little bit different. You don't feel so funny about repeating songs or whatever because it's a whole new crowd of people every night. And sometimes you want to do that because you're trying to sort of perfect your show and perfect your set. But when you're um, doing a residency like that, you really want to mix it up. So, you know, part of it is is that and then secondly you maybe don't have time because people are doing other things to sit and like rehearse an entirely new set right so you got to be on your toes and this is kind of a new orleans thing you got to be ready when someone just calls a song and it's sort of like here's the key these are the changes follow me and you go right live without a net whatever and that's something that you know we really did a lot and it's a skill, you know, it's a different part of your brain you're using, you're improvising, you know, and you're listening. Um, so we did a lot of that. And then I, I think the third thing I would say is that we got um, the club sits right across the street from the Fillmore, which is a much bigger, yeah, you know, it's club. Um, and so the, when the shows over there were, would end, a lot of times the headliners, whatever, would come over to the boom, boom room after unwind for a drink or whatever, you know, a lot of times they'd come sit in, you know? So mm -hmm. we got, um, we got used to doing kind of like, 
you know, kind of like the band did with Dylan or whatever, or they're different people like learning how to be like a good solid backup band or like follow somebody, you know what I mean? So, and, uh, Oh, go ahead. So I was just going to say a, a funny story with that. Um, you guys, your listeners might enjoy the, um, you know, early on in the, in, in the days there, the boom, boom room, uh, we're playing our set or whatever. And Susan Tedeschi used to cross the street playing with her band. And, um, she comes over with her band after the, sh after the set or whatever. And someone comes up and tells me, you know, Susan's in the house, you know, you should have her sit in. So I was like, okay. So I call Susan up and, uh, here she comes. Okay. But she brings her band with her. You know, I think so my band runs off the stage and now it's me sitting out there with Susan Tedeschi and her whole band. And, uh, she's got her guitar or whatever. I've got my mandolin, which I've been playing for about, I don't know, six weeks. And, uh, she does the song, whatever, and she's in it and we're going along. And then she, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus. And she looks at me and wants to trade licks. How <laughs> about <laughs> I might as well have been holding like a two by four, you know, she's completely, <laughs> completely burned me down. She she was sweet about it and took it easy on me, but I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> you know, the guys totally sold me out and left me on stage to die right there. So, uh, it was humbling. So what I'm hearing, Aaron is you're ready to, you're ready to, you're ready for Susan Jesse to come back and for you guys to no, I'm good. I had enough. It's cool. <laughs> You've been playing the mandolin now for what, you know, 15 years. You should be ready. You should be yeah, ready to have that. She's, she's been playing this whole time too. So, you know, <laughs> I don't think there's any catching up that's going to go on. I don't think people realize, especially now with the Tedeschi Trucks band, how good Susan Tedeschi actually is on guitar until you go watch him play, right? Because you're thinking, oh, Derek, Derek does everything. Nope, she is legit. No, they were, um, they were on this cruise we were just on as well. And I've got some good friends in that band. I grew up with one of the drummers and, um, she, you know, on this particular set, I think Susan played more than Derek did and she killed it, man. She's awesome. They're both awesome. Everybody in that band's fantastic. It says a lot about Derek as well, where he knows he's one of the best guitar players on the planet, probably the best fly player on the planet where he doesn't need to show, show everybody that every day. Yeah. And they're a great example of, one of the things that we aspire to also is that, you know, the song is more important than, you know, the solo, I guess. Yeah. The most simple way. You know. It's a band. It's not a solo artist. It's a band. That's, right. That's exactly right. That about answers my question. I was going to say, well, who's come over from the film or to play with you guys? That one, as you can tell, is etched in my memory pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, you get it. It's, I, I would. I probably would have set the mandolin down and walk off the stage. To be honest with you, I'd be like, you know I, what? If there was an easy out, I would have taken it. But it was, you know, it was what it was. I had to go down with the yeah. Or did that Ashley Simpson like that jig and just walk off stage like when yeah, she was on yeah. SNL and the track started playing? Yeah, <laughs> everybody got a good laugh out of it. So I'm okay with it. I'm at peace. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Susan. Hey man, maybe they need to. You need to have an opening slot on the next. Uh, yeah, yeah, come on. Wheels of Soul tour, man. The Wheels of Soul. Was, you guys would fit right in with that bill. That was me one. She, it's right. Come on, Susan and Derek. If you're listening, you owe Aaron <laughs> and the Honey Island Swamp Band. You owe them one. You owe yeah, them. One. It's fair. That embarrassment you handed me. It's good karma. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Aaron, what's your background, though? I know you gave us a little bit of kind of how this Honey Island Swamp Band got together, but kind of tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I grew up in uh, Pensacola, Florida, which is about three hours east of New Orleans on the beach. And um, not, a, not a town known for its, like, you know, great music tradition, but there's a lot of musicians there, and a lot of music gets played being a beach town. There's gigs, you know. Mm -hmm. all, over, all over the place you can play every night of the week if you want and um you know i i just always kind of had bands from the time i was i think my first one was when i was probably 12 or 13 or something my my dad had an old uh an old gibson uh e330 guitar it's like the double cutaway if you're listening and you don't know what that is it's like the bb king guitar you know mm -hmm with the F holes and everything. Yep. The two horns his, and the F holes. Yeah. Yeah. His is a three thirty five. This is a three thirty, but that's getting technical. But, uh, 
it lived under his bed and I was not allowed to touch it or even look at it really without permission, but I'd pull it out and look at it. And, you know, as I got a little older, you know, he'd like let me hold it or whatever. And, you know, he, uh, he made me a deal that if I learned to play the acoustic guitar and I took lessons and I stuck with it for a year that he would buy me an electric guitar the next Christmas. And I did that and, uh, got the electric guitar. This was in, you know, I'm going to date myself here. This was in the, you know, late eighties, early nineties, whatever. And so I had like all the heavy metal guitars and like the ridiculous stuff and, Wait a minute! Don't 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 pass over that part. What heavy metal guitars did you have? Well, I, I think I think I was the first one I got was a Kramer with the um, the locking nut at the end and the whammy yeah. bar. So yeah, you, you can jerk it around all you want; and it doesn't go out of tune, uh-huh. which is more or less true. Was uh, it the single or double? Was it the Beretta or was it something else? What'd you have? What'd you have? I don't even know. I was black and white. It looked like <laughs> it looked like a Strat, except for the yeah, it was a super know, Strat. Yeah, yeah, the 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 head. Stop did it have it. the banana? Did it have the old school banana style headstock, or was it like yeah, the, the yeah, that might, yeah, and um, and man, it was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen when I got it. I was so stoked. And uh, then I think after that, I got like a, I got this cool strat. It was a strat, but it wasn't a strat like you would think about it. It didn't even have a pit guard. It was just this awful like, uh, I don't even know how you would describe this color blue. It's like electric blue or whatever, um. But a pretty badass guitar, also locking nuts, um, wide neck on it. So it's like all wide and thin. Look really cool. I've actually still got it. Um, and so, uh, you know, played in bands, played some heavy metal and as a, as a seventh grader in my garage and probably drove my mom nuts. She's just like, <laughs> I can't believe she. We were at a house where like the mom, my mom let us do that, you know, like garage with absolutely no soundproofing whatsoever and like, four teenagers out there with a drum set and wailing on it and all that stuff. That's a great mom though. That's just yeah, great. Just yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. No, it's just love you, mom. <laughs> so her for that. I mean, geez, but, uh, but yeah, so, you know, did that all through um, high school and uh, went to college. And then when I moved here, we just, Oh yeah, there you go. This <laughs> okay. is a Kramer Beretta special. It's a Beautiful. newer vintage, and I've done some updates to it. Okay, no, that's a beauty. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's that far out class is the one I had. <laughs> we may be blues and southern rock, but Brian, I always like metal, and I'm sure shit got my my metal guitar if we need to play. <laughs> well, when we moved moved to New Orleans with some guys, to, you know, to start a band or whatever, and play music, and about that, you know, started getting some gigs and started doing all right, and. You know, the old man, you know, at some point in there said, you know what, it's time and uh, gave me the guitar, the the Gibson, the uh, 330. It's in 1959. He was he bought it new in 1959. So bring the story full circle. When I'm out there in California watching the city of New Orleans go down and not go down in flames, but go down in. To go down the tube. The opposite, yeah, right. yeah. Water. I didn't really have that much to my name. I was a pretty young man at that time, and uh, or a younger man, and so I wasn't too worried about my car or any of that other shit that I lost. But it was driving me crazy that that guitar was sitting under my roommate's bed, like about three blocks from the Bayou Saint John. So I knew the neighborhood had flooded, and I just sort of made peace with the fact that I'd lost it. And um, she came back to New Orleans before I did about a month after the storm. And she called me and she said, Ron, you know, she called me, Ron. She said, you're not going to believe this, but I've got your guitar. And I'm like, what are you talking about? So the guitar was in the back of the bedroom of the house. It's a shotgun house, which is like a long mm-hmm. straight house. And the house filled, you know, it didn't fill, but there was water throughout the house. And the water, as the floods subsided, the water drained out the front. This guitar rose up on the water, floated through the house, and was sitting by the front door when she opened it. Oh, my god! Case was all full of mold, right? Case had mold all over it. It had been sitting there for a month in the heat, um, in the dampness and all that. She opened it up. The guitar is in perfect condition inside. Wow. So, you know... It's a miracle on many levels, but 
the uh, the people who made those cases in 1959, like made them to last, you know. So that that guitar survived Katrina floating on the uh, floodwaters inside that house, and I still have wow. that. One. So uh, Jason mentioned earlier, like when we were teenagers, you were really into metal. So I'd be interested to hear, like, how did your musical evolution go? Like, what what band specifically were you listening to, and what? What, you know how did you how did your your journey or evolution go into what you're doing now what where, where's the links what what things brought you up to that different point? i think that uh well the first band i mean if we don't want to go way back the first band i was really into was the beatles like when i first started playing guitar you know my dad had every beatles records so i loved all the songs he bought me that big ass white book that's got like mm -hmm. 500 of their songs in it mm-hmm I learned all of them. Well, I didn't learn all of them, but I learned as many as I could. I remember having um, mowing lawns with my uh, with my headphones on and my Walkman, you know. And that's how I figured out about how the Beatles mixed their songs. Because when one side would go out, suddenly I didn't have the lead vocal anymore. All I had was the back. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like the wire short? <laughs> yeah, yeah, when the wire shorted, you know what I'm saying? Like, motherfucker. <laughs> um, so a little, little lesson on mixing there. But, uh, you know, and then he always had, you know, there's always like Leonard Skinner and Allman Brothers records around the house, but also like they loved Kenny Rogers and like Jim Croce and Hank Williams and shit like that. So, you know, just from my parents, there is like a lot of exposure to those things. And then, you know, seventh grade, I locked myself in my room and listened to nothing but Pink Floyd, The Wall and Metallica, Master of Puppets. Nice. And like, you know, came out of that with my Kramer, just like power <laughs> chords in the garage, <laughs> you know, playing as fast and loud as I could. And uh, I, I like that. <laughs> crate, crate amp, like cranked up, you know. Yeah, yeah. And oh, then, <laughs> then, then I got to, uh, but then, you know, high school, I started recognizing that, you know, when it came to the ladies, like, you know, a guy with an acoustic guitar on the beach could do a lot of damage, you know. <laughs> they weren't into the thrash so much. And it's no, hard to play no, thrash no, on an acoustic guitar. That, that acoustic guitar on the beach playing the right, you know, sort of That's song. where the croce comes into play, man. That's right. That's that's where that came in and play a little Bob Seeger or, you know, I don't know what, little whatever, night moves to get the ladies yeah, ready. <laughs> whatever the job required, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I did. And uh so at this point I got a pretty good pretty good wealth of knowledge in me you know and then i think when um and when i first moved to new orleans i was really into r&b like you know d'angelo and earth wind and fire and then fusion you know like jocko and and uh you know just kind of jazz fusion bands um and so i was kind of doing some of that i was playing bass at the time and then uh you know as I got a little more into my, like my thirties, I think I just kind of came around to coming back to, you know, what I can, where I came from, which is kind of more what, what we're doing now, you know, I think it was a process of exploring a lot of different things, wearing a lot of different hats. And then, you know, when you, when you're young, or at least in my case, when you're young, you're ready to get the hell away from where you grew up and you almost mm -hmm. a little bit embarrassed by it and you don't see it for what it's worth. And then as you get, distant from that you start to see well you know that's pretty cool and that's who i am and there's there's a lot a lot of good stuff there so i think that's been the process for me so we're always interested to hear about you know you know newer bands maybe someone we haven't heard of and um is there someone that's been you know like your contemporary been playing about the same amount of time as you that you're really fond of that we might not know about or anyone that you've played consistently on the same dates with you know dates with shows whatever is there someone that you're really like hey you got to listen to these guys no nah, everybody else sucks right? <laughs> <laughs> honest i like it <laughs> no i mean I, I don't know about uh i don't know shit uh new discoveries I, I i don't know if i'm the one to break any new discoveries but like around here like anders osborne's a hero he's a huge influence i mean he's an amazing songwriter um, who's written songs for more people than just himself, you know, that's something that's, you know, something that we've always admired from songwriting. 
Um, you know, John Cleary from New Orleans is just sick, amazing. Um, you know, <clears throat> really it, any of these these New Orleans bands um, that have, that have stuck around for a while, I think are are uh, are worth a listen. You know, and on our records, like we have like a guy named Mike Dillon. I don't know if you know Mike Dillon, uh, incredible percussionist, vibraphonist. Uh, he's got a slew of bands and it's, it's, I mean, most of it is pretty out there, right. Um, by most people's standards, but he's such an incredible musician. So if you, if you let go, go listen to any of his stuff, you're going to hear like someone at the top of their game at their instrument. And on our records, we try to have some people sit in. He's featured on this particular record. And I was having the same conversation in another interview the other day where, you know, people were asking me about the records and what I would encourage people to do as they're listening to it. And what I said is I'd encourage you to read the liner notes and see who's on the record and then go check out that musician and see what else they've done. That's what I did when I was a kid. I'd read the liner notes, who played bass on this, who played guitar. Then I'd go try to find out what else that person played on and expand my musical knowledge that way, you know, and it's a good way to go because good musicians are typically involved in good projects, you know, and they kind of, there's a family tree that branches out there. So I think that's very yeah, true with New Orleans music, music, just like anywhere else. Yeah. And with Wikipedia these days, it's certainly a lot easier to find out where, yeah. where these other guys, right. yeah. You know, instead of looking at other records. Hey, um, let's talk about speaking of records. Let's talk about this latest record again. Custom Deluxe came out on October 27th. Tell us a little bit about it, you know, how it got made, where it was made. You got 10 tracks on there. And sure. what, what, do, what do our listeners need to know? Well, it was cool. We, we did this one different than we'd done our past records. In the past, we'd done, you know, what you typically do. You book a week or four days or five days or whatever of studio time. And you go in there and you bang it out, right? Or more realistically, what you do is you go in there and you get, you know, the foundation of each song done. Then you go to a cheaper, smaller studio somewhere else and finish the vocals or do the guitar solos or whatever, you know, um, it's seldom anymore. Like the thing where everybody's sitting in the same room, taking a live take and that's what you get, you know, that, mm -hmm. that doesn't happen that much anymore, at least not in my experience, but on, on this one, we were touring a lot when we started it. Okay. This is like 2019 and, um, we wanted to do some different things. And so we had gotten to the point where like, we were, you know, really tired of the days off on the road, not having anything to do. And you just kind of killing time or spending all your money at the bar or whatever. Not that we would ever do that. But, uh, some people. <laughs> fall yeah. Some people, other people, people other bands. No, the, the temptations are many out there, but uh, we would rather than that. We wanted to like, you know, lots of these towns, there's a good studio. Well, let's get in there and let's do something, you know? So, you know, like the, the title track of, or not title track, the first track, uh, gone we were at a at a festival in winter park colorado and we're talking to the festival organizers well you got to check out you know eagle wind sound it's owned by pj olson the singer from the alan parsons project so they hooked us up with pj and you know do you have any time yeah i got some time so the next day we go in there and we record gone you know and um that's just sort of an example of how we did the whole album like wherever we were, if we could get into a studio and our time off, we would go in there and do it. So we did we did that song in Winter Park. We did a song Bone Shaker uh, at uh, Scanhope Studios outside of Denver. We did Second Sun in the Color Red Studios, which is in downtown Denver. A few of the others we did on the North Shore um, here uh, north of New Orleans uh, in Covington. So we kind of did them at different spots, you know, over the course of a couple of years, it ended up being, and, you know, COVID happened in the middle of it. So that threw everything for in the lurch, you know? And so that put a big pause on everything. When we, when that started to abate a little bit, we did some more, you know, so it, it spanned a longer period of time than our past records. And we did it in a different way by doing it, you know, in short little snippets in different locations, the approach was more about let's take one song from the beginning 
from the conception to the end rather than let's record bass drum and keys on four or five songs and then go back and go back and overdub the guitars on all those songs and go back and overdub the vocals on all those songs different approach right and so um i think it for me i liked it better uh, i i love it because you you're more focused in the now you're more focused on where you're at you know both physically and mentally emotionally everything uh for each song and um so i i think it came through in the in the, in the final product i think it's the best thing we've ever done yeah, and now as you said that, like each song is a little is different from each other. So you probably got a little bit of different vibe, dynamic sound just from going around and recording like that. There's no doubt. It's different rooms, it's different space, yeah. it's different engineers, it's different gear. Like you learn a lot of little different tricks that different engineers have and different rooms sound different. And your body's different at nine thousand feet than it is, <laughs> you know. One foot above sea level. <laughs> yeah. Or eight feet below, actually. Is below, really. Yeah, wherever you got, whatever you're but, uh, your elevation uh, is. Yeah, I mean, it, everything's different. So uh, I think it's cool because of that. It gives it a lot more variety to me. And I just, maybe I'm just remembering where I was when I did each song, you know. Um, it just feels like uh, a, lot, a more bountiful record. So how about what's the the, the touring plans, playing shows? Right. Well, um, we've done a few things out in California and we did, just got off this big, easy cruise, which is why my voice is in such rough shape. <laughs> but uh, uh, we, I, we we're going to plan to hit it pretty hard, um, you know, more starting at the beginning of the year than with what's left of this year. We have a few more dates this year, but, you know, we'll be hitting all the major markets in the U.S. next year and getting back to Europe over the summer. And uh you know, probably get one one or two more of these cruises. I mean, although I'm going to bring my vitamin C, what do you call all those things? <laughs> oh, vitamin like C the packs. Yeah. Like the airborne and emergency and all those things oh, yeah. that are like immune boosters. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll be riding, I'll be riding heavy with those next time. There, there. I've used like the emergency before I uh, get, get the uh, citrus or the tangerine one, mix it with a little bourbon and honey. Oh boy. There you go. Oh, yeah. Talking my language now. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Recording your album is a little bit like Brian, like Sonic Highways, what, what the Foo Fighters did a little bit, where they kind of went around and recorded a different yeah, that's places. Right. The nation. Yeah. That's about the only similarities between us and the Foo Fighters. <laughs> well, right, you know. Yeah. Um, There's our idea you, first. Damn it. <laughs> come on. You got to sue Dave. Come on, Dave. What are you doing to these guys? Dog. First, Susan Tedeschi, you know, makes you feel bad about your your licks on stage, and now Dave steals your idea from you. Yeah, I know. I'm gonna start writing these down, man. <laughs> um, no, Brian, I think you got to find Aaron and his crew a recording studio in Fargo, North Dakota, get the Fargo flavor <laughs> in their next record. Well, I won't make you come here unless it's July. <laughs> I was about to say that sounds like a cold trip, <laughs> especially somebody from the swamp. You know, the heat and humidity of Louisiana is probably not a great transition this time of year. Might be a little rough on us, Southern boys. What? Yeah. Come to Columbus, Ohio. Well, I'm right outside of Columbus. We'll figure. You know, we'll find a little bit. Maybe. Yeah, we did a wedding in Columbus uh, this summer. It was the first time I'd ever been there. That's a big city, man. It's it's not too shabby. Where, where was the venue? What were you playing the wet wedding? It was uh, at the Botanical Gardens, I want to say. Okay. Yep. So downtown, close to the art museum, down in the yeah, right. Yeah. That's exactly where that is, man. Had a blast. It was a bunch of uh, people that were Tulane graduates, so it's like had a real New Orleans flair to it. They got after it, man. You brought yeah. the green wave to Columbus, Ohio. They had themselves a party out there, bro. It was fun. <laughs> is there anywhere else that you played that that surprised you that like really embraced your kind of music or was steep for that kind of scene somewhere where you weren't expecting it yeah i mean there's several i mean we, we had a really huge following in chicago for a while and still do and i don't know maybe i should have expected that but i didn't the first time we went there and played some people showed up in honey island swamp band t-shirts which i thought was really cool especially because we didn't have any honey island swamp band t-shirts <laughs> bootleggers more people stealing your shit dude come on <laughs> they had made their own <laughs> i was like wow okay that's it that's that's impressive those people are my, some of my dearest friends to this day but uh that was one that comes to mind and 
Minneapolis is another one. Like I didn't put together that there would be any kind of Minneapolis, New Orleans connection, but the, some of our most diehard fans live up there and we have great shows every time we go up there and play and they come down here and see us play. So, you know, things like that, it's, I, I, I think some of it is natural connections. I think some of it is connections to New Orleans and some of it is jazz fest too. Like we've been blessed and honored to play the uh, New Orleans jazz and heritage festival, you know, for the last 10, 10, 12 years in a row, whatever. When you play that festival, I mean, there's, there's people from all over the world. Mm -hmm. you. And it's, it's such great exposure for New Orleans musicians. And then you go play in Italy or Germany and people have your shirt on. And it's like, where the hell did you get this? You know? And then, well, well, we saw you at jazz fest, you know, or, you know, even less extreme, like, you know, New York or California or whatever. There's just so many people that come from all over the world uh, to see that festival. And, and, you know, you, it's, 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 it's the sort of greatest exposure vehicle that, that any of us have, you know, down here. So we're thankful for it. Plug for the jazz and heritage festival. Thank you guys. I, it's, it's on my bucket list, Brian, to go down there one day, see some bands that we love. It'd be great. I don't know to do it, man. There's, there's no festival like that in the world. It's, it's the best. It's uh, it, and it's not just, it's, pre, it's heavily lean towards local talent, which is a good mm -hmm. thing. But there's also plenty of national and international talent there. Some of the some of the best parts of it is they they feature a different country every year. So sometimes it's Africa or not Africa, Africa's a continent, but sometimes it's like, you know, Senegal or whatever and Congo, or you know, sometimes it's a South American country and they have all kind of artists come from that country and do also like cultural ambassadors and things. Uh so I mean it's it's an incredible festival. Every it should be on everyone's bucket list who's a music fan. Yeah, I think Zesty Trucks, Black Crows have played that. I bet Blackberry Smoke's been there. I th have the Foo Fighters done that? I feel like the Foo Fighters have played that before. So. Yeah. Sure. No, I know they have because uh, Dave Grohl ended up at um, Preservation Hall, which is down in the French Quarter. It's this old, old style uh, saloon where the, you know they don't have electricity in there. It's candlelight and stuff, and the band. It's it's built to be like what you know the old jazz halls were like, you know. And so the preservation hall is a, you know, like, I don't know, maybe an eight or I'm not sure how many there are eight or 10 piece brass band, you know, with the tuba or sousaphone, whatever, and the trombones and the saxes and the, you know, the clarinet and trumpet and everything. And, but they've really modernized by doing these, uh, these shows every jazz fest where they have a mystery guest. You don't know who it's going to be. And people pay all this money to come in there. You know, the place only might fit. I don't even think it fits 100 people in there, standing room only. And then you go in there and here comes Dave Grohl and Dave Grohl does a set with him, you know, or whatever it might be, you know, that particular year. Usually it's one of the headliners from Jazz Fest that shows up there. But yeah, uh, Jazz Fest is is worth checking out. And so is Preservation Hall, whether it's Jazz Fest or not. So here, here's what we're going to do. We're going to fix this. Tedeschi Trucks comes plays there again. We're going to trick Susan to show up there. You're going to chart. You're going to, you're going to ch challenge her to a duel. This is the chance. <laughs> this is the chance. <laughs> All right. There's got to be some parameters. I'm going to need six months of lead time. <laughs> well, that's it. We're going to work on this together and I set to all pick, this up. So. I get to pick the songs. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, we're we're going to get her back. <laughs> we're going to set this right. We're going to balance the karma in the, the universe once and for all. Coming for you, Susan. <laughs> bring, it all, bring it all back to where we started, Brian, all right? I'm coming. I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Aaron, for you guys, the new record's out. Uh, you're good, looking to kind of finish out the year. We're going to start seeing some tour dates show up uh, for you here coming up soon. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um HoneyIslandSwampBand.com is our uh, website, and uh, for the tour dates, and you can check out the album. You know, anywhere they're streaming it. You know, Apple Music, Spotify, all that stuff. Uh, yeah, you should start seeing those hitting pretty soon. And like I said, it'll be, you know, it'll be it'll be some touring, um, some light touring in the early part of the year. Then 
you know, it's hard to get away from New Orleans in February. We got Mardi Gras, sure. which is a busy time for us here. Then we get, yeah. we'll probably get out and about a little bit in March, but then come April, it's back here for French Quarter Fest and Jazz Fest and all that. And then, then like May, June, July, August, all that is when we'll hit it hard and uh, get out of town. Once all that festival season is over here in New Orleans, we'll hit it pretty hard. And like I said, hopefully be back over in, in Italy and other parts of Europe uh, in the middle of the summer and then come back home and do some more around the States. There is a great venue now by Brian and Fargo where, man, who have you seen play there, Brian? You've seen Blackberry Smoke out there, like who, like some pretty good acts at the Fargo Brewing Company, right? Yeah, Fargo Brewing Company and then Fargo Theater and the uh, Blue Stem Amphitheater out in Moorhead. I mean, Tedeschi Trucks played there and you know, I said the Fargo Theater saw Robert Cray and then Kenny Wayne Shepherd, and so nice. we've been getting some good stuff up here. Blackberry Smoke. Put, put in a word for us, dog. That summer two thousand twenty-four. Yeah, yeah. yeah and Columbus is ready to have you back. Yeah, let's do it, man. I, I think uh, shit, North Dakota might be one of the only states we haven't really played in. Have we played there? Well, I, th- I thought we played in all of them, but anytime. What what is it? What, what am I looking for? Anytime between like. June and stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. June first and June thirtieth. <laughs> we have the Fargo Blues Fest every year, and I'm trying to like get into my foot in the door, finding out who books and stuff. I mean, they've been pretty resistant so far, but I got to <laughs> harass them. You don't want to give. I don't want you to give away that information. <laughs> well, also the thing I is, like, we know all these great bands. Podcast, you know? Well, we know so many good bands, and even known and unknown where like if people are looking for stuff we've got contacts at this point like yeah we know, actually have contacts <laughs> you guys we have like, contacts you guys should be like the screening process like y'all are the interview you know right I mean, this is the interview right now you know yeah I mean? aaron's cool <laughs> he's got some beef with a couple big hitters in the industry have him on yeah yeah exactly <laughs> he owes susan tedeschi and dave grohl some payback <laughs> That's right. He's hungry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so your cross looks like you're, you've got your website, Facebook, Instagram, X, Twitter, YouTube, Spotify, base, basically any platform you got. We're able to find out more about the Honey Islands. That's Honey right. Island Swamp Band. If you Google Honey Island Swamp Band, you will find out about us. You might even see my ugly face, but just beware. <laughs> don't be confused with the Honey Island Swamp Tour because that's a different thing. Ooh. I've had people Ooh. call me before and yeah, we're, we're calling about the Honey Island Swamp Tour. And I'm like, the band? No, the tour. They want me to take them out in a boat in the swamp. <laughs> uh, so it's not like a tour music. It's like a swamp boat. Tour. It's like a. I know. It's an actual I'm one of those, swamp boat tour. One of those air boats <laughs> with a big and fan. It's, it's, not quite, it's not quite that extreme. It, uh, <laughs> so so stick with me here, real fast, Aaron. I'm, I'm, really I'm nice feeling tour, something. I've heard. I've heard. I, I, I have a business opportunity. <laughs> you guys get one of those big ass airboats that can fit a little stage on it. It's a Honey Island Swamp Band tour. So you play while people go on the swamp tour. Come on, it's perfect. The animals will love it. The, mar- <laughs> the marketing's already built in. You got both brand names. We're going to add some more noise into the swamp. <laughs> all the alligators, will, all those guys will take off. You know, oh, those, oh, those won't bother we'll, you. We'll, we'll scare them all away. They'll see nothing. <laughs> honey island swamp band tours perfect oh now you got you got everybody messed up now see <laughs> brian help me out here we're ruining this we're in this for you are gonna be people showing up to the tour looking for the band and people coming to the band saying, what the <laughs> brian's the professional and he knows all the trivia i'm just here for gags so <laughs> just in case you didn't just in case you didn't figure out the dynamic already i think i i think i'm seeing it i think i'm seeing it <laughs> All right. Thank you so much to Aaron Wilkerson Wilkinson from the Honey Island Swamp Band for coming on and being a guest. We've had a grand time and you are welcome back anytime. Hey, man. Thank you guys so much. I'll come down to New Orleans and see us sometime. Thanks to Aaron from the Honey Island Swamp Band for coming on the podcast and talking to us and hipping us on the Louisiana scene and that connection to San Francisco, where apparently a lot of the band's you know from new orleans blues type bands from new orleans go and and hang out and do their thing yeah for sure and the fact that if you get um stuck out of louisiana because of hurricane katrina and stuck in san francisco you could form and create a brand new band 
for sure yeah and that's absolutely what happened that's how the band was formed i don't think we've uh we've heard that type of story before on how Out a tragedy led opportunity for a very cool eclectic louisiana rock band with elements of jazz blues blue what else what else it's like a little bit of everything zydeco yeah they're pretty they're pretty uh diverse in their their style so it very uh you know we haven't had quite the their sound of a band yet so it's great no. to uh get that yeah yeah and check out their music too it's it's really good i've enjoyed it I was, it was really nice for barry over at his pr firm to get a hold of us to say hey check these guys out they got a new record Let's go. And darn it, Brian and I love them. And we wanted to share um, Aaron and their music with all of you guys, too. And again, I really enjoyed hearing that origin story where they were stuck in San Francisco, stayed there. We're kind of like the um, local band. Every week they would get to play shows and kind of build up their repertoire of music, create new music and have a chance to, to form what they are now. What did you like? All of the above. All of the above. All of the above. Everything. There's everything to like and nothing. We're playing on a cruise to playing in San Francisco. Yep. All right. You guys uh, got to listen to the Honey Island Swamp Band. And always remember, Southern Rock is reverent. Blues is blood. We'll see you next time.
stuck in second gear He's a thousand miles away Even as he's standing here I've been gone It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points. 